This is Exchanges at Goldman Sachs, where we discuss developments currently shaping markets, industries, and the global economy. I'm Jake Seward, Global Head of Corporate Communications here at the firm. Today, we're going to talk about the state of the hedge fund industry. And to do that, we're joined by Diana Dykman and Freddie Parker from our Global Markets Division. Diana and Freddie and their prime services team recently put out a report that surveyed nearly 450 hedge funds and allocators to hedge funds, investors in hedge funds, that is, to understand current sentiment, how they're navigating the volatility of the past year, and what they're thinking about the future. Welcome, Diana and Freddie, to the program. Thanks, Jake. Thanks, Jake. All right. Just to start off, give us a sense of who participated in the report and who are the main people that you're talking to. Absolutely. So this report is an annual publication. It's really one of the flagship content pieces to be put out in the prime business. And it aims to get a broad sense of the overall status of the industry. And as such, we try and get a really wide cross-section of participants. So we surveyed and interviewed nearly 450 hedge fund allocators across a variety of channels. So within there, we have pensions, endowments, sovereign wealth funds, family offices, and so on. Collectively, they account for about a trillion dollars worth of hedge fund AUM, which is nearly a third of the overall industry. Then we also spoke to around 200 hedge fund managers, and it was across the full spectrum of different strategies, geographies, and sizes. So we feel we've got a really great range of different viewpoints incorporated into this piece. So worth putting the report in context, hedge funds have had a somewhat difficult period recently, not the strongest recent history. Where was sentiment as we entered 2020? It's definitely fair to say that many hedge fund allocators were feeling a little underwhelmed coming into 2020 especially when compared to the way that broader markets had performed. We actually put the question to investors at around that time, asking them how their hedge fund portfolios had performed relative to their own expectations over the previous five-year period. And the results were not great. Over 50% felt that their hedge funds had underperformed expectations, while only 6% said that their hedge funds had outperformed. So I think that that's pretty telling. But I think it's also important to mention that despite this sentiment, there weren't huge redemptions taking place in the industry. And the feedback we got consistently from allocators was that they were largely sticking with their hedge funds and thought that in an environment of perhaps choppier returns, higher volatility, higher dispersion, that hedge funds would once again reassert their value proposition. Okay. So with that context, how did hedge funds respond through the volatility in 2020 both in the early days when there's a steep sell-off and later in the rally that started in April and really continued through the rest of the year? And how has 2021 started? So I think the first thing to say is, no matter what metric you use, 2020 was an incredibly strong year for the hedge fund industry. I think it really marked a return to form for hedge fund managers. So we estimate that on average, hedge funds delivered a return of over 20% for 2020. Put that in context compared to a 10-year prior average of just over 6.5%. And really, they delivered that strong return, firstly, by protecting on the downside in Q1, and then really keeping pace with the rebound of markets from Q2 onwards. So in the first quarter, the average hedge fund returned around negative 7%, but that was against the context of equity markets that fell 21%. So we're talking about a downside capture of around about a third. And historically, hedge funds in other similar sell-offs have returned somewhere between a third and a half of the drawdown of the market. So what they delivered in Q1 was in line with and perhaps towards the slightly better end of historical comparisons. And I think as well, one of the things that allocators really look to from their hedge fund portfolios is the ability to deliver that uncorrelated performance and capital preservation in their downturn. But then Q2 onwards, we all remember we saw a very strong rebound in equity markets. The total performance of the MSCI world from April through December was plus 47%. 
Against that backdrop, hedge funds delivered a return by our estimates of about 30%, so capturing almost two-thirds of the upside of markets. And that performance in particular was one of the strongest we've ever seen from hedge funds in terms of their ability to capture the upside in a rebound coming out of a drawdown. So on both measures, hedge funds did a great job in 2020. It led to them posting their best performance in over a decade. Now, 21 has clearly started with some significant volatility and turmoil in markets, uh, particularly in the US. But from what we've seen, for the most part, the hedge fund industry as a whole has held up relatively well. And through February, we feel that the performance of hedge funds has been relatively robust. Our sense, moreover, from allocators is that their overall stance towards hedge funds remains positive, really following the strength that we saw in 2020. So with that strong year in context, how are allocators thinking about targeting their hedge fund portfolios going forward into this year and beyond? And what are some of the strategies and geographies that are most in favor as we look at this year? Sure. If you zoom out to an overall portfolio level, comparing hedge funds versus long-only equity, fixed income allocations, and other less liquid alternatives like private equity, private debt, or real estate, hedge funds have definitely become more in favor from an asset allocation perspective. So as of the end of 2020, we saw hedge funds as the second most popular asset class overall, not in terms of size, but as measured by the number of survey respondents who intended to increase their allocation in the coming year. So increase their allocation in 21. Hedge funds are still behind private equity, as they have been for many years, but that gap has narrowed, and they're certainly in a much stronger position in terms of investor appetite than we've seen for some time. Within the hedge fund space, there are definitely some areas of focus among allocators for 2021 that are worth highlighting. First off, from a strategy perspective, equity long short is the most sought after hedge fund strategy overall with 43% of allocators telling us that they plan to increase allocations to the strategy. But there are a lot of different offerings within the space. And specifically, we continue to see a focus on sector-oriented funds, especially those focused on areas such as biotech and TMT, which has been in vogue for some time now. We've also seen a really nice uptick in demand for discretionary macro managers after a couple of years of strong performance. And this has probably been a bit at the expense of systematic or quant strategies, including CTAs, where we've seen a decrease in interest. Geographically, we see a clear trend towards Asia, with nearly half of allocators telling us that they're looking to increase exposure in the coming year. And within that, a very strong bias to China, which again is a continuation of a trend that we've seen for some time. So how do the allocators rethink portfolio construction in 2020? And what does that mean for managers? So before we came into 2020, really the clear trend for the hedge fund industry had been one of portfolio concentration and consolidation. So allocators have consistently been telling us for the last few years that they're looking to reduce the number of hedge fund manager relationships that they have, reduce the number of line items in their portfolios, and in turn, make those relationships with hedge fund managers more substantial. And of course, why that matters is that in turn, it makes life very difficult for hedge fund managers from an asset raising perspective. In an environment where everyone is consolidating their portfolios, your ability to win a new allocation from an investor is clearly constrained. Just to sort of put in context, the average investor told us in 2016 that they had around 29 hedge funds in their portfolio. By the beginning of 2020, that was down to 23 relationships. What we saw, though, during the last 12 months was really a reversal in this trend, but only of slight magnitude. So what we saw was the average number of line items tick up very slightly. We believe the reason for that is sort of twofold. So one is the launches of new products from existing managers. 
And particularly around the dislocation in sort of Q1, Q2, we saw a lot of hedge fund managers launching vehicles aimed at capturing the opportunity set that was presented by markets at that point in time, including some investors put dollars to work in some of those products. And then the other aspect of this was new launches. And there was some more appetite for new launches last year, which we can discuss in more detail later. But I think the the key message remains that the majority of dollars allocated to hedge funds were still going last year to managers that were already incumbent in investors' portfolios. So those existing managers were clearly advantaged by last year's environment. All right. So the incumbents did well. There's another area that gets a lot of attention, at least in the press, but also from investors, fees. What were the average fees paid in 2020 and have allocators' attitude towards fees shifted? You're right, Jake. Fees have been a constant topic of discussion in the industry for years now. We've observed continual fee compression in the data that we've gathered. And it's clear that the industry long ago moved away from the 2 and 20 paradigm. So just to give a sense for the shift, in 2012, the average fees that investors told us that they paid to hedge fund managers were 1.7 on the management fee side and 18.3 on the performance fee side. And by the onset of 2020, so that's seven years later, these fees had fallen 15% for management fee and 10% for the performance fee. So overall, while average fees paid by investors hasn't declined enormously in absolute terms, the direction of travel has been clear. Every year that we've tracked the data, average fees paid have declined. What we saw in 2020 was a shift actually in the other direction for the first time, again, since we've been tracking this data, management fees increased on average five basis points and performance fees increased by 80 basis points. So the magnitude wasn't particularly large, but we think of this as a directional move worth noting. So why do we think we saw the shift in the past year? Part of it was performance-led, as Freddie touched on earlier. Better performance from hedge funds has helped to shift focus away from fees as a topic. But beyond that, we also saw dollars flowing to a number of blue-chip and previously hard-closed fund managers that reopened in the March-April timeframe. And these managers often tend to have somewhat higher fees than the broader industry at large, which in turn drives up fees paid on a composite level by investors. Given the strong performance, how much did the hedge fund industry grow in total in 2020? And what do you anticipate in terms of flow of funds into hedge funds this year? So overall, 2020 saw the strongest growth in the industry in dollar terms since 2013. So our estimate is that the industry grew by some $400 billion last year, such that the industry is now running about $3.6 trillion, which is a record level of AUM. But I think we do need to point out that growth was driven entirely by performance rather than by net inflows. So our estimates, which we derive from our survey data, suggest that overall the industry saw no net new flows in 2020. But we think this is going to change in 2021. So from what investors told us, we think that the industry is going to return to net inflows this year. Our prediction is around $35 billion of new capital to be allocated to hedge funds. But in the context of a $3.6 trillion denominator, this is a fairly limited intro. But I think at the same time, the directionality of the flow is a positive indicator, and I think one that speaks to the improving health of the industry. Just lastly, in terms of how that inflow is being funded, we expect the majority of it to come from two places. The first being cash held on the sidelines in portfolios. And last year, we think most investors were running probably higher than average levels of cash, given concerns around liquidity and uncertainty in the environment. And then the second place that we expect these new inflows to hedge funds to be funded from is redemptions from long-only fixed income portfolios. 
All right. You mentioned new launches, particularly in the dip last spring. What does the environment for new launches look like today? And how much demand is there amongst allocators for new products and new funds? Yeah, the environment for new launches has been perhaps surprisingly resilient. And this is another positive data point to the health of the industry. So last year as a prime broker, we worked with more new launches globally than we ever had in a single calendar year, which is perhaps counterintuitive given the kind of year that it was, in spite of an environment where there was clearly you know, disruption to everyone's working practices, we still saw a strong demand from allocators for these new launches. And if you look at our survey, the proportion of allocators that tell us that they have interest in fund managers with less than 18 months of a track record has increased year over year with this appetite really being driven by one, an expectation that new managers may be able to outperform versus larger funds, and two, a desire to negotiate more favorable economics than they might be able to receive from established funds. And as we look forward into 2021, many of these same trends have continued. All right. So what are allocators thinking about in terms of manager selection these days? Our own people in-house who evaluate managers are evolving in how they're thinking about asset allocation and picking managers. How are allocators adapting manager selection practices? And conversely, how are managers changing the way they look to engage with allocators in an environment of ongoing disruption? Well, as we all know, 2020 was a very disruptive year for working practices really across every industry. And the hedge fund industry was not immune to that. One of the challenges I think that was really posed by the pandemic was historically due diligence processes have tended to be heavily reliant on in-person interaction. Clearly, given the restrictions that have been in place since last March on in-person interactions and on travel, this has not been possible for some time. But we've been, I think, very encouraged by the way that both managers and allocators have been adapting their processes and really looking to engage the full range of virtual tools that are available to them. So to give a sense of how prevalent this is, 90% of allocators told us that they made one virtual allocation last year, and 45% of those went to managers that they had never met before the pandemic. So the interactions happened, the due diligence process happened in an entirely virtual setting. And I think this is much better than many of us in the industry had expected that things would transpire at the start of the pandemic. While the sense we have is that allocators are keen to get back to in-person interaction as well, the majority have told us that they don't anticipate being able to do so until Q3 really at the earliest. So this virtual status quo is, is likely to persist for the time being. So how are managers with all of that in mind adapting their marketing practices? Well, they've been engaging the full range of virtual tools as well. So they've been using things like webinars, live video presentations. Many have hosted virtual investor days. They've written white papers. And one thing that a number of investors highlighted to us is they felt that one of the effects of the pandemic, counterintuitively enough, has been to increase and improve the overall levels of communication and connectivity that they've had with their managers. And I think many are hopeful that as we move out of this pandemic period, that that level of increased communication will persist. Well, that's probably safe to say fewer cocktails, more substance in the pandemic, at least when it comes to business. Well, thanks for joining us today, Diana and Freddie. Thank you. Thanks for having us. Great to be here. That concludes this episode of Exchange at Goldman Sachs. Thank you very much for listening. And if you enjoyed the show, we hope you subscribe on Apple Podcasts and leave a rating or a comment. And tune in later in the week for a weekly markets update where leaders around the firm provide a quick take on the latest in markets. This podcast was recorded on Monday, March 8th in the year 2021. Thanks for listening.
all price references and market forecasts correspond to the date of this recording. This podcast should not be copied, distributed, published, or reproduced in whole or in part. The information contained in this podcast does not constitute research or a recommendation from any Goldman Sachs entity to the listener. Neither Goldman Sachs nor any of its affiliates makes any representation or warranty as to the accuracy or completeness of the statements or any information contained in this podcast, and any liability, therefore, including in respect of direct, indirect, or consequential loss or damage, is expressly disclaimed. The views expressed in this podcast are not necessarily those of Goldman Sachs, and Goldman Sachs is not providing any financial, economic, legal, accounting, or tax advice or recommendations in this podcast. In addition, the receipt of this podcast by any listener is not to be taken as constituting the giving of investment advice by Goldman Sachs to that listener, nor to constitute such person a client of any Goldman Sachs entity.